This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to episode 184 of the Stacey West podcast. My name is Gary, your occasional part-time host, uh, and this week I'm joined by Mr. Lamming. Chris, how are you doing, mate? Very well, thank you very much, mate. Good to be back. Yeah, I mean, it's been quite a, an interesting week, I think, hasn't it? In a, away from football, it seems that there's a momentous, historic occasion almost all the time now. So we're going to get yet another new prime minister. Um, is it your turn before me? I, I'm not sure. Is it alphabetical these days? I haven't, I haven't had the the letter through the post yet. No, it's like so jury I'm, service. Yeah, I just about to say the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, so it must be you first. But yeah, yeah, I did. You know, funnily enough, I actually did. Have you done jury service? No, never. I got my jury service letter on my 18th birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I'd got a driving test booked for the Monday. So they excuse you if you've got like that sort of appointment. And so they mm. excused me for the Monday. Everyone got the case on the Tuesday. Uh, and they told me I'd be reimbursed for my time off. And I was I was down for two weeks. So I thought, brilliant. So on the Tuesday, they said they didn't need me because they've got a case. So I just took two weeks off um, from McKechnie's and kept you know, ringing in saying, oh, jury service. And then at the end of it, they were like, well, we only pay you for the days you were actually here. And obviously McKechnie's didn't pay me either. So I lost two weeks. Oh, so you were skin. Oh, yeah. Backfires. Yeah, it did backfire massively. So, But one thing that didn't backfire, of course, was our game plan against Ipswich at the weekend. Whew, smooth. That was smooth. It was smooth. Um, so we've got quite a bit to talk about today. Uh, but yeah. we'll start with Ipswich. You and I watched the game together, and it's fair to say uh, there wasn't an awful lot of um, expectation at kickoff. Correct. Yeah, I think, well, we both agreed a point would be an incredible result. Just not getting battered would be respectable. Um, but we also discussed kind of what would be an ideal scenario for us. And it kind of exactly as it panned out was kind of what we'd hoped for, really, wasn't it? In terms of staying, you know, being competitive in the early stages, um, you know, keeping their fans relatively quiet. Can we nick a goal? And then in the second half, you know, we don't want to go 
and just defend for the whole 45 minutes. And we didn't for the first you know, 15, 20. And then, of course, we all know what happened that last kind of half an hour of the game when we were just backs against the wall. And yeah, they couldn't break us down. It was perfection from an away perspective, I think, really. <laughs> it was. And it's funny because actually we, you and I have commented quite a lot over the course of this season and to a degree a little bit last season as well about how we are capable of putting in the perfect away performance. And you know, I think we did it at... Uh, Portsmouth very well so when I say perfect we were 90% at Portsmouth we just didn't have 10% in the top half of the field I thought at Oxford it was virtually perfect I thought then at Bolton it, again Bolton was 90% perfect it was literally just two individual errors so we yeah. know we're capable of doing it but we were going to a side with you know 27,000 supporters. I mean, this isn't the same Ipswich that, that we were able to be in um, the FA Cup a couple of years ago. It's a club kind of reborn. There's a new owner. There's a new impetus. That I, you know, I would put I would put money on them being in the top two this season. They're laden with talent. They've obviously spent quite a bit of money. So for me, it was a massive ask. It was the biggest in this division this season. Going to Ipswich and getting a win will be the biggest task behind going to Hillsborough and getting a win, in my opinion, in terms of the quality, in terms of you know the general atmosphere, the, the forward momentum of the club as well. Um, so actually, they, I thought they were quite disappointing in the first 20, 25 minutes until we scored because they didn't trouble us. And that's as much to do with us uh, as anything. And I know we'll come on to talk about the back four, but one player that really impressed me, and I think you'll probably, you'll hopefully agree, um, two players i suppose but matt virtue was absolutely superb and people when you don't concede when you keep a clean sheet people look at the back four and the goalkeeper and they go they've done a great job but actually the defense the defense on saturday certainly started with those two midfielders if you're busy if you're kind of energetic picking the ball winning the seconds tracking the runners from that midfield position you make the defender's life easier and i think that was probably a key part of our kind of first 20 25 minute strategy absolutely yeah matty virtue Best performance in Lincoln shirt so far. I don't think he's really done anything wrong yet, but it was certainly a, a standout performance from him. Had composure when we needed it. We need to have it. Worked his worked his bollocks off, didn't he? And uh, yeah, with their shape, there was it was our midfield two against their two midfield like deeper midfielders. And I think for certainly for the first half, our two dominated their two. You know, they didn't have a shot in the first half an hour. So there's a bit of a perception after looking at the the stats that we just got pummeled for 90 minutes and we were lucky. And I don't think we were. Of course, on another day, one of those 30 shots goes in. You know, it might bobble off someone's backside or, you know, they might they might not miss that one that was seven yards out that he scored over the bar. But on, on the whole, um, we were we were pretty resolute without the ball. But yeah, in that first half an hour, before we scored, they hadn't had a shot. So it's not like we came in with a game plan of, right, come on then, beat, try and beat us. We're going to have park the bus for the whole 90 minutes. We were quite competitive, I thought, in the first, um, well, the first half, really. And it was a relatively even game, I'd say. They might have just edged it in terms of clear-cut chances. I'm not sure with the last couple before the half time, but it was like a game of two halves, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, we picked up there on their midfield too, Sam Morsey and, and Lee Evans. I mean, Sam Morsey's played a majority of his career at a championship. He's represented Egypt seven times. Um, Lee Evans, I think, was was getting plaudits from the Ipswich press after the game, and he was excellent in the second half. But I think for um, Sanders and Virtue to kind of compete there, given their 
Um, and I'll say it first of all, but given their pathway from, you know, you've got Max Sanders coming from Brighton, from the reserves there for having a year and a half or so, not being able to get in the Lincoln team. You've got Matty Virtue, he's been injured, he's been in and out, he's not really featured for Blackpool that much. So I think for those two players, it's, dare I say, a coming of age. And I think one thing that we've discussed on the podcast before is you know, what is our best midfield kind of setup? And obviously it's different. You play three at the back, it's got to be a two. And for me, up until Saturday, I uh, my thoughts were it would it should be Jacob Davenport when he's fit, and I've I've seen him in you know two games now, but it should be Jacob Davenport and one of the others. But I think Virtue and Sanders did enough, um, not just in that game. I mean, I think they that was the starting pairing, if I remember correctly, against Charlton as well. And mm-hmm. you know we didn't look threatened at all against Charlton. So if we're doing that um, that kind of that three at the back with two holding midfielders, for me it was a it's been a coming of age week for those two players. And I think that they Virtue coming in on loan and Sanders coming in and out of the side have now cemented themselves in fans kind of consciousness as that's our starting pairing or two that will start from a three harsh on last Sorensen perhaps um uh, moving on you said about clear-cut chances I, I seem to think the only real clear-cut chance was our goal um you know, even, even despite their chances at the end of this first half I don't think they were particularly clear-cut and I don't think they were classed as key chances on the stats either so how, do, how did you see our goal apart from the obvious answer of with my eyes yeah, well, unexpected, wasn't it? You know, we had a corner just before that, and we put we, we swung two in at the near post, um, and then it was a bit unconventional. I think was it like a backwards header from from Paddy O'Connor that then lent it to the back post for House. But you know, it's I think from an Ipswich perspective, you could be disappointed at conceding from a set piece, but it's it's kind of a bit of a freak goal. But I think we just did well to keep the ball alive. You know, everyone was sharp. We won our first and second balls and deserved to be a goal ahead at half time. You know, it was, it was brilliant. I think what it gave us is, was that platform, wasn't it? We had something to hold on to then, which then dictated our style for the majority of the second half, I think. I think it had been a very, very different game if it went in at half-time at nil-nil. But yeah, yeah, that goal was huge, and then it gave us something to cling on to. And what we've shown over the last few matches is we can cling on to something, and we can be hard to beat. You know, even against Bolton, I know it was 2-0, but that game was on a knife edge. That game was on a knife edge, and that was the first time we changed to the back four, uh, back three, sorry, slash five, but it's more of a five, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, short answer. How did I see the goal? I enjoyed it a lot. We shouted very loudly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think when you look at it as well, I think uh, not long before we played a short corner and we'd kind of lost the chance, if you remember. It was like, oh, yeah. not the short corner again. I just have this image of from last season of you know going for a corner and then Chris, Chris Maguire running back towards his own half with the ball every time we played the short corner and just thinking, oh, what are we doing? Um, but I've liked our willingness to get the ball in the box at set-piece situations. Um, so there was a long throw from Sean Rowan, which I think then we both commented on and said, thank God we're going to have that. Because was it Wickham came last season and all of their all of their throws from kind of inside the, the attacking half were just launched into the area? I'm sure it's yeah. Wickham. It might have been, yeah, I think it, it definitely was, the was Wickham. There was another team that scored from one, wasn't it? There was, there, was a, there was a game, there was two or three games in a row where we looked really, really vulnerable from throw-ins and it was almost like every other team kind of got got wind that we're not very good at dealing with them and then me and my friend Jay who I sit with we were like every time they had a throw-in it was almost more 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 scary than having a corner against you and it, it was like a Morecambe or an Accrington or it something. was yeah someone along those lines definitely. and they could they could put it in from from anywhere it might have been yeah what was it um Cambridge I don't know I don't want to see us every time we get a throw, putting it in the area from, from wherever. But I do want us to have somebody that can put a decent throw into it's just even nice. the front post. It's just nice to have the option, isn't it? 
yeah, it's nice to not have to stick to our you know plan A, our principles of trying to get the ball down. The last season we played how we played, and if that didn't work, we kept playing how we played, and and if it didn't work, then we try again next week. What what I do like this season is we do seem to have the ability to mix it up and be a bit more pragmatic and, and react, a bit more reactive and proactive in games. Um, uh, yeah, it's only a throw-in, isn't it? But it's just nice to have that that in your in your arsenal. What I also liked, I noticed it a few games ago, is that Sean Rowan um, taking corners as well on the right side yeah. now and then, which is nice to see. Obviously, you can also have the in-swinger from the left peg, but, you know, when he first came into the team, none of us would have had a clue that he was a, you know, half-decent set-piece taker. Turns out he is, and that's nice to have. Yeah, it is. And uh, do you know what? I Because we, we'll talk in a minute about the second half. And Adam Jackson, man of the match, I think he's picked up a rating at the minute on the the, the for the game from Stacey West readers of something like 9.6, which is in the region of Anthony Scully rating against Cambridge last season. That's how mm-hmm. good Adam Jackson's defensive performance was. But it would be remiss not to mention, I think, one or two of the other strong performers. And while we're on the subject, Sean Rowan is, was one of those for me. I thought he was absolutely outstanding um, on uh, Saturday. I thought his tracking back was first rate. He did get a bit of cover, if I remember, from from Diamond, Mandriu, kind of not so much with, with Ioma. And Ipswich yeah. was such an intelligent team. They picked up on that straight away and instantly started trying to overload Ioma because they knew he wasn't getting the same, the same support. Um, but, I mean, we saw Rowan getting forward. We saw him getting back. We saw him getting blocks in. Such a mature performance. And... You know, if he carries on like that, now he's you know he's got a corner, he's got a, a, a throw in on him as well. You know, people, it's not going to be long before people start looking again, is it? Yeah, I think we could definitely see why Premier League teams were interested in last season. Why was it? What is it? Chelsea and Southampton they went on trial to, and that's what we know of. Um, yeah, we could we could definitely see why he's got interest at that level. You know, he's, obviously he's not quite performing at that level at the moment, but he's what 18, 19 years old, and he's playing like a 27, 28 year old. You know, his, his performance well. is a real, yeah, physically yeah. decision making. Um, yeah, he's, I, yeah, just really, really like him. You know, we're gonna just enjoy him while he's here, I think, is going to be our mentality with that. Isn't you mentioned, that, sorry, go on, go on. I was gonna say, isn't it funny that the players that are kind of coming to the fore that we're saying we really like actually some of them are players that were here last season as well? Because you mm-hmm. talk about Max Sanders, really like Max Sanders again, so busy, so energetic, he's strong, you know, hard working, and and don't like to talk about previous managers and previous coaches but we were told he was too entrenched in under 23 football and all of a sudden he's, he's playing for me like the midfielder we thought we'd signed when he first arrived the midfielder yeah. at brighton thought that they'd sold us as well absolutely absolutely yeah like i said i don't want to criticize too much from from the last the, the last regime at all because you know we were both we both supported that when we when it was part of it and you know i'd like quite especially you were quite vociferously backed yes. I clapped and then, and I did kind of obviously I wasn't on the pod at the time, but that was my my stance as well. But you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? It does make you kind of think maybe you know was there a little bit more more to it than than meet, meets the eye, and maybe maybe he did miss something. You know, it wasn't just him; it was the the, the previous coaching team, wasn't it? Um, because yeah. yeah, like you say, in even early, early in the season, you know, everyone had written last last Sorensen off, and he started the season brilliantly, and everyone was like, oh my god, last Sorensen's brilliant. Yeah, he's found it a little bit more difficult in the last few weeks but that was three players from last season that hardly had a kick who have you know certainly become either guaranteed starters almost or certainly regular squad players you know because last is almost one of our he's almost a guaranteed sub even if he doesn't start 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. So with 30 minutes in, we're going to have to talk about the second half a little bit. Um, it, it was likened to uh, the Alamo, uh, which, uh, for those who don't know, Google it. Um, it, it. It didn't feel to me as one-sided as the stats suggest. At the end of the game, they've taken 33 shots, five on target, I think, by the way. So you know what I mean? That's that's fewer shots on target than um, than we had against Newcastle on, on Tuesday night. So it wasn't a complete battering. Um, but they did control the, 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 the possession. They had lots and lots of the ball. They were very, I thought, tactically aware in that they tried to change things around in where they were trying to pick their passes, picking out Ioma. Then they went to a 4-4-2 and tried to kind of catch us out a little bit as well. Um, although I think the stats actually say they, they stayed at 3 4 2 1, but we we thought I think that it, they went to kind of a, like a flat 4 4 2 almost. It definitely went to a back four, it was almost like a back two, really. Yeah, the last, yeah. last, last 10 minutes or so, they had like two center backs and then the wing backs as high as they were in a three. So they just took a center half off and put a, a forward player. I can't remember if it was a Mike winger, Mike Edwards, I'm not sure, but they certainly brought a center half off for a, for a forward player and brought Edwards and Jackson on, didn't they? Yeah, that was it. Because yeah, um, Tyrese John Jules had come on a little bit earlier, you know, and that that's the depth that they had. So yeah, it, it was a tough second half. They had twenty three shots in the second half, um, just the three on target. They had seventy seven percent possession according to Y Scout, um, and a, but just an xG of two point one. Which when you've had twenty three shots a goal, you know, it's, there were pop shots, and that was I think more credit as much credit to us as them because I don't think they played badly and I don't think they were particularly wasteful. It was blocks, it was tackles, it was getting bodies in the way, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. XG is interesting as well, isn't it? Because obviously you and I both like stats and we find them really, really interesting. But one thing that XG doesn't take into consideration is the position of the defenders. It just takes into consideration what part of the pitch is the ball kicked from. Um, so if you're within the width of the goal, then the six-yard box is like 0.95 or something. If you're just outside the 18-yard box in the D, it's like 0.25, whatever. I can't remember the exact stats. Um, but we had our back five plus our two deeper midfielders and often more players behind the ball. Um, so even though you're saying that the XG is low considering the amount of shots they had, I think in reality, if, if there was some magical form of finding an XG formula which took into consideration defensive positions as well, I reckon it'd be even lower than that. Um, I think we just defended stoically, you know, it's not a sort of, you know, defensive performance. You don't want to watch that every week because I don't think either our hearts would cope. Um, you know, you, you can only keep that amount of shots out for so long. Um, but when you've got something to hang on to away against the big club, big crowds, you know, that's a massive win. And to, to see that we can, you know, we can hold them out. It's shades of kind of Oxford away, wasn't it? I would say it was better than that, to be honest, but it was the same sort of yeah. performance. Um, it was just brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. But I agree with you in that, Obviously, they they had a lot of the ball, but I didn't feel you know, it was there wasn't that many heart in the mouth moments where I thought no. yeah we're gonna we're gonna concede now. I thought we looked quite comfortable without the ball. We looked it was all semi in control even though we didn't have the ball, which was obviously and really positive. Their highest the two xG stats that that were the highest their two kind of best chances both fell to George Edmondson that was playing left sided centre back which suggests kind of set pieces, load in the box, et cetera. But it is credit to us. I mean, I'm not, yeah, not going to come on here and say Ipswich were anything other than a, a really good side because no. they, they played some nice football. And, and like I keep saying, they're, they're, they're aware. Kieran McKenna's done a really good job there. That's a much different Ipswich side to uh, the one that was under Paul Cook last season. Um, and, and who was the – was it Paul Cook, the gaffer? Who was in charge when they lost 5-3 at our place? I can't even remember anymore. 
Is their manager was then? Cook, wasn't it? Still Paul Cook. Then, was it Cook then as well? I think um, so. I, I, I just yeah, I just felt that yeah, they're they're a much much improved side. But actually, we could have we could have nicked a second goal. I mean, Adam Jackson mm-hmm. hit the post. There was Danny Mandrews run down the the flank where um, it was just in front of Ben House. That was a great ball in, by the way, by Mandrews. And, yeah, and really we'll talk point. probably about Mandrew in, when we come to the Newcastle under 23s mm. because, you know, again, I, he's feeling his way in steadily. And we haven't seen the best of Danny Mandrew yet. I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever about that. You know, we'll, we'll see more of him, but obviously it's nice for him to, to kind of get a start. And it gives us the options, doesn't it, now? Because we've now got Jordan Garrick who can come on, who has been doing. You know, we're missing Tom Hopper, but actually, are we you know, missing him in the real sense? Yes, in that he would have been an out ball against Ipswich, but no, in that that's the sort of game where people say, well, you need the Tom Hopper, your defensive forward in there. And actually, yeah. we didn't. So, yeah, um, in terms of depth, we miss him because it's we need to have, you know, we all say we need a striker, though that might be less or less prominent now after Freddie Draper's obviously got himself back into the squad. But, um, yeah, I get, I get your point in terms of the his style, but even if Tom was fit, I think Ben House would still be starting. It doesn't depends who we play. Well, yeah, of course. But in terms of performance, because what Mark Kennedy certainly has, his mentality really has been a case of saying to the lads, once you get your chance, if you play well, you keep your shirt. Yeah. Ben House hasn't deserved to be dropped at any point. Um, yeah, of course, it's horses for courses. And sometimes I think, you know what, we need to play a bigger one up there. We need to hold the ball up. But Ben House has been really good since he's come in. Scored another goal on Saturday. You know, worked, his, worked his backside off. Again, you know, he's real. He got real live wire, isn't he? In terms of his work rate. So yeah, I'm told. Uh, would we like Tom Hopper back in the squad? Yes, of course we would. Yeah, yeah. But we're not, we're not desperate for him like maybe we felt we could be. Yeah, like we were last season at this yeah. stage when you know Dan Lundloo wasn't doing it. Um, you know, Freddie Draper was kind of dropped in almost a year ago actually because it was end of October, wasn't it, when we went to Chef Wednesday? It, it was a way at Chef Wednesday he made his debut, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. And that was that was just at the end of October, if I remember correctly. It was um yeah, just before what was an awful, awful November. But we were short of attackers when we went there as well. So I'm told Ben uh, not Ben, Tom Hopper, um, I don't know how if it's been released anywhere else, it's not been written about, but it's a back injury that he has. Okay. Um and apparently he is closing in on a on a return and getting back oh, onto okay. the grass. So um, he was at the Newcastle game on Tuesday night with his, uh, I think he's got a young son. Um, so he, he was there watching the game as well. So and look, it'll be important to get him back. And that's that's not a, a slight on Ben House. He is popping up. He is getting goals. But for instance, the Charlton game, I felt passed him by a little bit. And yeah. you know, they they came and tried to match us like for like. And you've got Ben House and and you know, three centre backs or whatever. It's 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 just it's not going to work. Um, although to be fair, I think they were four four two. But even so, if you've got the two centre backs, it's it's tough when you're pumping long balls into a Ben House figure. Um, and just to have that additional option. I think had we had Tom Hopper on Saturday, I think the last 25 minutes he would probably have come on had he not started. And then we would have just, when we were clearing those balls long, they wouldn't have kept coming back at quite with quite the regularity that they did because it was really hard for us not just to get hold of the ball, but to, to keep it in any sort of area that wasn't there. The Ipswich is attacking third. so um, But it was still a, a, a huge relief when the final whistle went. And um, yeah, I think a testament to Mark Kennedy and Mike Garrity's uh, and the coaching staff's work on the training ground. One hundred percent. Yeah, we were we were buzzing. Obviously, was it your heart rate was what 160 odd, wasn't it? At the yeah, yeah. I, so I, I, glitch, I don't know if we could do with that for the whole season. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a it's a huge win. If 
it was so unexpected. It was just from a fan's perspective, all you want to see is the players care, don't you? That's that's all you really want. Um, and you know, like it was such a hard working performance. There was some quality on the ball in the certainly in the first half, but it was just you know that that performance and that result will forever be remembered of that that time we kept Ipswich out with you know lions and you know it's hearts of the lions, wasn't it? The lads were. It, it was brilliant to see. You know, um, we've got a tough run. You know that game. Sheffield Wednesday, Barnsley, you know, three really big clubs, a couple of, you know, um, one of them, of course, a recent relegated side. Um, and what I thought we've, we've put together there is a blueprint of how to play against a big team that's going to that's gonna want to imprint them, uh, like impose themselves on us. Uh, be interesting to see how we deal, you know, with those teams, certainly when we're at home against those teams that maybe we'll, we'll try and sit back against us. But what we've got is we, we've, we've got a system that we know 100% works to play against those teams that are going to attack us. I think it's interesting that we came away from the Bristol Rovers game, we'd scored six, and a lot of people were saying, got to sort that defence out, got to sort that defence out. Uh, and since then, uh, we lost to Doncaster, doesn't really count in, in the EFL trophy, which isn't mm-hmm. what we're going to say when we're beating Newcastle, by the way, but we'll come <laughs> on to that. Um, but since then, it, it, it's Bolton, former Premier League team, scored twice, shouldn't have scored at all, in, in fairness. And if you take 100%. the penalty out of it, actually, our XG was better than theirs. Um, Charlton, former Premier League team, never looked like scoring against us, apart from you know, that one moment where the ref fell over. Ipswich, former Premier League team, didn't score against us, but looked like it. Now I've got Chef Wednesday and Barnsley. That's five former Premier League teams in the space of a month. Tough month. Club like Lincoln City, who were in non-league six, seven years ago, shouldn't be taking points off those clubs. Here we are, three games into it. We've got four points. If we came out of this little run with six or seven, either uh, a couple of draws now, a win, even five, even if you took five from five from that run, you'd look at it and go, bear in mind, how many of them have been away as well? Three of them away from home. You know, just I think we've give, we've set ourselves up just to end this month nicely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So if you asked me before Bolton, this little five game spell, I'd have happily taken a point a game on average. Yeah, five points out of those five. Yeah, that's a good return from those five matches. And then in those other matches, we maybe expect to get a few more points out of. You know, you're far enough away from the relegation zone to to not have to play with fear. Yeah. Um, and obviously we've we've just we're not there yet, of course. I've got two more games left yet in that little spell. But yeah, it's it's more than we could have hoped for, I think, so at this stage. But it and gives like us such you, confidence to take into the next games as well. It does. And like you've just touched on, the key actually is now finding a way to to take the games that we should be doing better in where we're going to have to go for against the back. And I was talking to Pete, obviously, you know, Pete as well um, Mm -hmm. uh, earlier today. And he kind of said, you know, it's all well and good doing what you're doing now because he's a miserable bastard and he knows it and he's listening to this and he'll be laughing (laughs) now in the car while he listens to it. And then he said, you know, you've got to find a way to do it against Morecambe and Accrington and Cambridge because fans won't, won't be happy with three at the back two fullbacks rather than wingbacks and going defensive and looking to hit Accrington or Morecambe on the break because that looks like then very negative football. And if you're going to play, some people might call it anti-football, but if you're going to play organised defensive football away from home or against big clubs, we'll play, we can play it at home against Sheffield Wednesday. We'll come on to that. I'm not going to have a problem with shutting up shop against big boys at home. We did it well against Derby, by the way. Um, but we've got to be more, we've got to be entertaining. We've got to be able to beat We'll do better than we did against Forest Green, against Fleetwood. We've got to find a way to, to defend with four at the back and still be able to create. I think Virtue Sanders and you know, potentially a Sorensen, if you're playing double double defensive midfielders and then one further forward would work because I think you'd give the, you'd afford the defence protection and allow uh, Sorensen to kind of transition between the two. So actually, in football manager terms, you'd be playing a CDM, a CM and a AMC. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
mm. you wouldn't play the but that's the kind of way that that, that we could play um but let's face it we you know i expected us after this run to be struggling probably just to stay outside the bottom four we're not nobody expected us to be top of the league one league that we are top of um is the papa john's trophy group whatever it is lmnopqr that's another smooth segue by the way that was fantastic um (laughs) we're top of that group it was never really in doubt from the first minute to the last you know newcastle's kids hadn't scored a goal in the competition never really looked like scoring a goal and actually, I think there was a lot of positives to come out of Tuesday's game, wasn't there? Yeah, loads, loads of positives. Even if Mark Kennedy wasn't, he wasn't particularly thrilled with the performance. It was professional. Uh, we got the job done. You know, what I've written down here is it was basically, you know, we're top of the group, guarantee a home tie in the next round, ten grand in the bank. The only negative was um, obviously Tashan's injury, but every other element of the game was positive. You know, Joe Walsh, we weren't expecting that. Jackie Davenport getting an hour. Freddie Draper obviously getting on and scoring. Uh, Mandroyu getting his first goal for the club. And then um, Alicia Ahui getting man of the match as well at right back. You know, that's exactly what this competition is all about um, for clubs like us. You know, that was, it, was, it was exactly what we hoped it to be on Tuesday night. You know, we didn't go and score six, seven, eight goals, but we didn't need to. You know, we were, we were never really threatened at all. And it was, yeah, we got what we wanted out of it, top of the group. Next yeah <laughs> that's it let's move on um, no i mean I, I agree with you 100 percent. and i you know i i talk up the papa john's trophy um in uh i can understand i'm not going to go into the, the the politics and the ethics behind it but i can understand why it's positive for clubs like us and i, I think back to the, the players that we've given debuts to or we've allowed to play football in this competition in the past and now it's a group stage competition and teams are not really caring too much about it it's an, an amazing opportunity i don't rate us playing against under 21 sides but who are we coming in and playing against you know players of his own age and looking better than a lot of them after yeah, he's massively. kind of fallen through the forest it, it was it was again what I saw, what I liked about Huey, I, said, I, I didn't watch the whole game. I've only seen the extended highlights. Um, and Mark Kennedy alluded to, it was more his decision-making on the ball and off the ball mm. that he was really impressed with. Again, that's a mature performance, similar to Sean Rowan's. You know, so what whatever's happening in the academy at the moment, from a, a tactical perspective, you know, we're not just making players that are really good at dribbling or really good at passing or really good at shooting, you know, the technical side. What you often find with young players is they can do that. Certainly ones that come from Premier League academies, they're great technical players, but they just don't understand the game yet. You know, they just don't understand um, maybe the tactical stuff, the nuances of that. But it's just, yeah, both him and Rowan, that what's happening in our academy at the moment, it's just really good decision-making by really mature footballers. It's great to see. And that means that they're going to, that, that hopefully, I'm going to say it, that pathway from, yeah. yes, from <laughs> under-18s academy football into the first team isn't going to be quite as drastic as maybe, maybe it is at other clubs just because of whatever they're doing is clearly working in terms of that, you know, creating mature performances here. So, yeah, I, I was, it was full of positives on Tuesday, to be honest. Absolutely full of positives. And, the, the, you know, we've given debuts or senior performances in, in this competition now um, to Jova Makama this season. I think Morgan versus Rob Gregg, or did he come on against Doncaster in the League Cup, potentially? Um, but we've, we've uh, there was obviously a Hui, Freddie Draper's now come in. I know it's not his debut, but it's you're not going to drop Freddie Draper in for 20 minutes at the end of Sheffield Wednesday at home if you're only one the lot, but you won the lot against Newcastle United. Freddie Draper can come into the side get some minutes obviously Jacob Davenport was the plan was by the looks of things kind of 30 minutes at the end of the game mm-hmm. he was forced on and hence then came off 
but for me they're brilliant and in the absence of a reserve league i mean i i, I remember the reserve league i remember kind of players um under even in the, the key theory you know getting competitive football competitive reserve football um and i think nigel jemson playing for our reserves maybe even at one point but in the absence of that this competition really does fill a gap and like 10 grand i mean that's 10 grand in the bank guaranteed a home time next round potential for it to be another under 21 side i'd be tempted to go to it now because it'd be 20 grand at stake then in the next round there's 40 grand at stake and and if you get to that stage and Christmas comes and that's an extra 60 grand in the bank on top of the two wins that we've already got here. So there's 80 grand. That's that could be the difference, because that's the sort of money, actually, that a club like us pays for a player who's coming into the last six months of his contract who wants Absolutely. to move to us. So, so what, like Regan Paul, who we got from MK Dons, would have cost exactly. a similar amount of money. I imagine that exactly. type of less than 100K, but the club want that the, the, yeah. the, they're leaving, aren't going to give him a new deal. It's the win win for each. Cohen Bramwell. Cohen Bramwell was the one I was thinking of. That's yeah. that's the same sort of thing. Yeah, what do we get off him? 250k in the summer, which the report yeah. is sign him for a nominal fee. For a five figure sum that you probably get for winning one game in the Papagean's trophy. Yeah. And look, I'm not saying that I'm not I don't like us playing under 21 teams. I didn't like last year as having to play Man United's kids right at the beginning of the season because Man United wanted to play it then. I don't I don't like that. I don't like having penalty shootouts at the end of these games and I don't do you know what I mean? But, yeah, I just I can't remember which team it was now. But one team's got through on four points without winning the game. They drew yeah. both they drew both drew two, lost one, but won both penalty shootouts and they've come through on seconds. It might be Accrington, I'm not sure. I was looking through it yesterday and I was like, that's not right. That's not right. It's a team below them that have won a game on three points and they're not going through against a team that should only have two, really. That's a bit yeah. naughty. Um, yeah, I 100% agree with you about the under-21 teams, though I don't see it as big a threat um, as kind of getting them into the into the, the actual league as maybe others do. Uh, I see there are other bigger threats out there that you're going to threaten lower league football than this competition. And for me, it's a necessary evil. You know, it's a really good competition to put those young players. And if it means we've got to play under 21 teams plus two professional teams as a bare minimum, I'm more than happy to support that. Didn't, just picking up, didn't we go through in 2018-19, we lost to Mansfield and then we drew with Scunthorpe and won on penalties and drew with Wolves under 21 and won on penalties and went through without winning a game. <laughs> Maybe and I shouldn't. We, if, if we did, I shouldn't really be criticised too much. I don't know if won a game and finished up below us. I don't know that. But I, and then I think because we got through to the next round, and that's when we played when Tom Shaw, Jamie McComb, and Jordan Adebayo. Oh, away at Accrington, where we really quite clearly just didn't care at all about yeah, the competition. Yeah. And, and, you know, and still got a draw against a League One club, and then went out on penalties. Didn't Matt Reed miss the crucial penalty as well? I seem to remember. Yeah, did, did uh, Jamie McComb score? Do you know what? I'm not sure. He might well have done. He might <laughs> he, well have done. Yeah, he hadn't played for like four years since our National League season at the time. Well, most a couple of years, yeah. whatever it was. Anyway, we, we digress. But we do, yeah, we do full, digress. Full of, um, full of positives on Tuesday. You know, take it even the, the performance wasn't groundbreaking. It was really positive, really comfortable. FA got first round draw, Chippenham Town. Good draw. Yeah. R- brilliant so. draw. Brilliant draw. It's exactly what we hope for. Well, from you and me, from a personal perspective, it's exactly what we hope for as well, because we're not going to be in the country. Um, so we're, it's a, it's, you know, it's a game I'd love to go to normally, you know, an away, a non-league away game. Now, I obviously we're in League One. I love the fact we're in League One, but you know, 
I was kind of brought up on non-league football. I absolutely adore non-league football. Um, so the opportunity for us to go away to an, a, a proper non-league club um, and hopefully win, but, you know, experience, you know, it's nice to be the big fish now and then, isn't it? As long as it's not a banana skin. It's just a brilliant draw. It gives us a good opportunity to get through. Um, gives fans that, you know, love the FA Cup, like like I certainly do, and like I know you do, the opportunity to go to a new ground and experience that kind of the magic of the cup, isn't it? That's exactly what it's all about. Is it's you know those non-league teams against the, the league teams. You know, league FA Cup first round weekend is one of my favourite weekends in the in the calendar. Yeah, um, it is. But from a purely from a Lincoln perspective, good draw, really really good opportunity for us to get through um, into the second round, and yeah, potentially you don't want to kind of you don't want to take it lightly, but there is a potential for some of the the fringe players to get some more minutes. Um, maybe not like the, the, the youth players, but certainly the the last Sorosons to start and the Jordan Garricks to start that have been kind of in and out the last few weeks, you know, maybe a Jamie Robson at left back, these sort of things. Yeah. Um yeah, just, we, just a really good draw. Fans of a certain age listening will cringe when I say Telford United, Altrincham, Stafford Rangers, Kettering. Um you, you the banana skins are there. Chippenham Town are going to be well up for it. 1873, they were formed. And their best ever finish was last season, um, where they finished seventh in the National League South. So they are at the very height of their uh, their kind of history. They'll be buzzing. I think they've got 3,000 capacity. One would imagine that we will have, you know, 400 tickets, 300 tickets tops, because I would imagine that Chippenham will probably be able to sell out um, their ground. I think yeah, is it 3,000 is... capacity, I think, isn't yeah, it? So... Is... I checked yesterday. Okay, fair um, enough. So, uh, yeah, so I, it's great. And you know what? I love it for the, for the non-league club. And I, I always, you have to strike a balance, don't you, between being condescending um, and, and you know, we're like, oh, little Chippenham, oh, any good for them? Whereas actually, you know, they're a, they're a proud football team. They've done very well. They've been at this stage um, twice in in kind of in recent memory. Um, so it will be something that we prepare for um, carefully. As you say, we're not we're not here. We're we're over in Germany, so we don't have to have the scrum for tickets. So my fingers are firmly crossed for a win and then a home draw in the next round. Yeah, 100%. Taste a little bit of FA Cup. Um, but it's a good draw for the club. It's one that you always remember. Like when you draw MK Dons in the first round of the FA Cup or Ipswich, they kind of blur in with the league games and you kind of yeah. like, oh, what year was this? What year was that? But when you draw Welling or Bracknell Town or Dagenham or Cheltenham when they were non-league or um, Bowers and Pixie and, and teams like that, you remember those games because they're one-off, just like yeah, you remember when it. you go to a Premier League team. So, yeah, it's a great draw. Fantastic draw, um, and luckily we didn't draw. You know, like like that the year that we we played Ipswich, you draw one of the bigger clubs in the division, and then they come to Central Bank a couple of weeks later, and and it, you know there's the big atmosphere. The uh, at the bank will be a big atmosphere at the bank this Saturday. That's a clumsy segue. Um, no, I like that. that. That was I noticed that one though. <laughs> so we may have um jake's audio i will message him and see if not if there isn't jake about to follow me on here um professional as ever of course uh, you can get that on youtube i know it's 13 minutes long because i've seen it and saved in the Streamyard um memory bank so i know that there will be something there right we are joined by another jake i know this is a little bit like jake inception um yeah. jake aka punk chef uh, Jake, how are you? 
I'm not too bad. I've just shifted a wardrobe from my next door neighbor's house into my house because they're moving and they went, do you want some free stuff? And I'm like, yes, there's a living crisis on. Of course I want it. So yeah. I just, just pick whatever I can that they said I can have. Yeah, well, whenever me and you have done shows before, we've, we've always struggled to figure out who on earth they're talking to. So we'll, we'll, go, with, we'll, go, we'll go with Punk Chef. Right, Wednesday then, obviously... Um, this is what your second year da- down in League One. Yep. Um, started off pretty well, haven't you? You know, you sat up mm. there third, third in League One at the moment, uh, one point behind Ipswich in the run for automatic promotion, which we did you a favour for on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely, no worries. Um, I've I've highlighted a few key men. Uh, before we get onto that, just talk to us a little bit about your season so far. Obviously, better start than last year, and you guys are you guys look the real deal this time, don't you? Yeah, this season we've recruited very well, again, with some free transfers. Last season, that's all we could do because of the transfer embargo. Or No one still knows if it was from the club or from the FL, but we were just tightening our budget. And we did well last season considering, but this season we've gone to another level. Like the game at the weekend versus Cambridge, we would have lost that last season. We would have lost our heads and... There's a different mentality now, and it's winning ugly. And I think in this league, if you can learn to win ugly, you get out of it. And being in third with a point behind Ipswich is fantastic. I've I've got this kind of thing. I don't want to jinx anything. I'm not saying we're going up. I'm not saying we're playoffs or anything. It's just I've just got a funny feeling the team looks more settled and there's a togetherness that we didn't quite have until the back end last season. And again, we recruited well. Wilkes still not come to fruition, but Smith and Gregory are starting a partnership, which when you think of it last season, Gregory was our top goal scorer and Smith was Rotherham's. That's a scary partnership if that comes good. Uh, and uh, we look more solid at the back this year, uh, which is something we struggle with. So it's been a good start. I just hope we can keep the consistency going. That's our key because we were very good at being inconsistently consistently inconsistent <laughs> yeah I, I think quite a lot of people put you guys at towards the top end of the predictions for this year purely because on the recruitment that you guys have made you know smith a hickway will volks or really good signings malik mm. wilkes um alex Mighton is one player that i certainly wanted to come to lincoln based due to as far as connections i thought he might do but he's ended up at wednesday and has become a bit of a squad player given how quality he is that, that's quite strange it's, it's weird because he played last night in the papa john's and he just didn't look overly great against the under 21 team and it was yeah. weird i don't know if it's lack of game time lack of confidence and i was expecting this really good world beater i thought we were gonna have a situation where you had brennan johnson a couple of yeah, seasons yeah. ago, and he was the player. I was like, right, we've done the same thing. Let's go with that model. I think it'll still happen. He's here for a season, so we'll see what happens. Um, one man that I don't think he's going to get the plaudit, so he probably does amongst the Wednesday fans, um, but he won't, he won't making any headlines when you signed him. Ben Hennigan came in on a three from AFC Wimbledon. Um, not the glamorous of signing, most glamorous of signing, um, but he's a good League One player, and you need good League One players to get out of League One. Um, and he's really sort of shone since he's moved to S6, hasn't he? Oh, God, yeah. Um, he was When we signed him, we had a lot of the fan base going, why are we signing relegation fodder? Thinking it because he's mm. gone down with Wimbledon, he's not good enough. He's a very good, no-nonsense centre-back, which we've, something we've lacked at Wente for a while. He'll put it in Rosette, he'll put his head where it hurts. Uh, I think it was two weekends ago, he had a cut to the head. Darren Moore turning around to the doctor, doctor gone. You need to come off. And he went gone. Why? Got cut to the head. And is he concussed? Mm. No. 
I'm a defender, he's a defender, he carries on. And Ben Hennigan kind of went, do you want to come off? Do I help? And it's something you need. You need that person who's going to throw the body on the line, which we didn't have last season. And he's he winning most of our aerial battles and he's been in EFL team of the week a number of occasions now. It's been a very smart free signing. Um, and obviously the, the main man that, that's going to draw the headlines, Barry Bannon. Um, a lot of people were sort of were sort of thinking with Conor Hurahan stepping down into, into League One this year, was there going to be a bit of debate? Who's going to be a better player? Hurahan or Bannon both probably don't belong at the level. Um, but I'd probably say Bannon has completely smashed Hurahan out of the park in terms of contributions and stuff like that. Talk to us about Bannon because he's, he's a, a cheat bit code. of a magician. He's a cheat code in League One. It's simple as. We shouldn't have it. He had an interview recently that he did with Alan Briggs how we were talking about how if he wanted to go, he could have gone so many times, but he's he likes where he is. He feels like he found a home at Wednesday. And if you don't know his backstory, he was at Celtic. He got left somewhere by the Celtic on the summer. They had to pick him up. They went down to Villa. And he was always that player looking for a home. He never really got it at Blackpool when Blackpool went up. He had the Villa thing and then he had the passing. And then we had him that first season on the Carlos where it was all changing and he would just... Mm superb and then I think in January we said we'll take the rest of his contract on and it's been ever since so he's been here like seven years now and it's it's amazing that a footballer got that loyalty and then he said if a contract comes his way again he'll sign it and I thought he could have been off so many times but he likes his football and I think it's very rare to have a player come out and say that and he also came out and said a lot about the journalists recently that have been saying he's on 40 grand a week he's on this and he piped back and said, you don't know what I am. Yes, I took a massive cut to come down, but if you want to keep playing football for a club you love and the fan base you love, you take the weight cut. It's like it's not about money, it's about playing football. And it's refreshing. Absolutely. Um, another, like you said earlier, you mentioned the game against Cambridge on Saturday. Um, you said you would have lost that last year. Um, Lee Gregory on the score sheet, two goals. Um must have been a really, really good away day for you a lot. I imagine you, you sold out. Um, but a really good performance that, that probably shows how far Wednesday have come in, in the space of 12 months. Because, you know, you say like this time last year, you might have gone and lost that sort of game. We got we got the situation where last year teams like a Cambridge, a Morecambe, a Forest Green. Well, everyone can beat Forest Green. Uh, no offence, Forest Green fans, but you are. We that couldn't. Way. We couldn't. We didn't <laughs> beat them. No, we drew 1-1 one, one with them. <sighs> Next time. <laughs> but it is that thing where we would have the mentality changed. The mentality changed with how we play teams. And Cambridge, we would have lost last year. Hev would have gone down. Darren Moore at the end of the game wasn't happy because he said, What do you think of the game? And he his response was, It's three points. He said, Anything yeah. else? It's three points. That told you how angry he is that we, we lost momentum in the second half and we should have had a lot more. But now Lee Gregory is up and running. That kind of scary because he was prolific last season. And if we can get Smith up and running and eventually get Wilk going, because we know Wilkes are good in this league, it'll be it's an interesting strike force if we get it going. Yeah, one of those strikers is Lee Gregory that if he gets one, he sort of tends to go on a run. And there's quite a few of them sorts of strikers in League One if you look up up and up and down the division. Um we do like to take a look at the last time that the two clubs met. Um you won't be too happy to hear that it was a Comprehensive three-one win for Lincoln at Central. I remember Bank. the podcast we were on. You gloated. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was to be honest. It was probably the highlight of our season. Um, obviously, the the beef that I've got with Wednesday fans is is all well and good. Um, 
But if I'm honest, it, it was a really good game of football from what I can remember. Yeah. Um, John Mark was two goals and then obviously the, the lad from Arsenal, Brook Norton Cuffey, um, scoring our goal. Sido Berahino got the goal yeah, for you. What, what can you remember? What can you remember of that afternoon? I remember. I don't remember much of the game, but I remember the game stopping a couple of times because the police kept on coming in because yeah. our end went mental. Uh, and I, I've never understood the rivalry between Lincoln and Wednesday fans. It's been one of these ones. I think it's just with one of those away days. Everyone was a bit hyped up, and it's been like that ever since. Yeah. And look why it's a one pm kickoff. Lincoln Felicia said, make it a 1pm kickoff. We need the resources. Our cop shop behind so we can fill it up before Saturday night, before they're idiots, kind of thing. So it's it's it was a good game of football. I remember all going, we we couldn't defend for Toffee. And that was during that period where we had a lot of injuries at the back, if I remember. So we had makeshift defenders and stuff. And it, it was a wake-up call. But I think for a lot of fans, it's like, this league is a lot harder than mm. they thought it was going to be. Because last year, a lot of teams, a lot of our fans were like, well, what this, we'll be fine. And I feel like Derby fans are doing the same at the minute and then they're yeah. going against teams. And it's like, League One has turned into Championship Mark Two with the quality mm. and with how tight it is. And I think it's been going that way for a good two, three seasons now. And yeah. that just shows you how good EFL football is. And it annoys me how much little attention the EFL gets mm. compared to Premier League and stuff. It should have more numbers than it gets and it should have its own tv licensing deals for the clubs and not with the fl because it's ridiculous yeah um i agree with you about derby they, they came to central bank a few weeks ago and got humbled the same way you did last year so so uh maybe they might get the playoffs like you did last year um let's talk about lincoln obviously you work with um dapper and do the EFL show on a, on a sunday evening um what have you made of lincoln so far this year, obviously you would have covered them a little bit. Um, it's been interesting. Massively helped you out on the weekend. From, from you, what you did massively help with that on the weekend, and I said before we went live, I'm kind of worried that we might add the thing because consistently <laughs> that's something we have done in the past. Lincoln's been very weird. They still got that. Str- you still got a real strange hangover from Appleton era, uh, yeah. and you're slowly starting to come out of it, and you're having signs where it's looking good. But I don't know. There's just something not right there, not as in terms of the fan base or the player, but with the club as a whole. Something Mm. just doesn't seem right behind the scenes, and I don't know if that's something the fans have picked up and it's leaking down onto the pitch. I thought you're signing, you've done okay with your signing, but you you lost something when Appleton went. Last season, I could understand why it was a difficult season. His whole cancer, hard to get a season going, you're playing for him to try and do the best you can. This season, you're just trying to go along with the motions and just hopefully stay up. You will stay up, I can guarantee. There's a lot of teams worse than you. But I think that season where you had that flyer, you we were all expecting you to kick on, and it just not happened. And I think that's where Plymouth at the minute are doing quite well with kicking yeah. on from last yeah. season, even though I am worried for them if, West Brom come knocking for the manager because of that. Yeah. As a Wednesday fan, I kind of want to go, brilliant, take him. That's better for us. As a football fan, I feel for him because that's two seasons uh-huh. in a row. At the same time, the manager's gone. And yeah. it's interesting because the, their manager said he doesn't want to leave. He's happy where he is. <laughs> and I, I know some Plymouth fans and they're like, hey, he's not going anywhere. It's like, how many times has the manager said that and buggered off? Yeah, I, mean, I think the thing with Plymouth is even if Schumacher was to go, you could see them still 
sticking up around there in League One because the momentum is so strong. Um, right, Jay, I'm gonna I'm gonna force you for a score prediction for for Saturday one o'clock. Um, I understand if you're going to go Wednesday victory, you, you sort of I've put you in a corner like you've got to, but it's going to be a bit more difficult than I think a lot of your fans might make out. I think it's I think it's going to be a KG two one win. KG two one win. Uh, and Jake, plug yourself, plug your channel, plug your, your work with Dapper. This is this is the perfect opportunity for you to do. Thank so. you very much, mate. I am Punkshare forty one. I run a Sheffield Wednesday fan channel. Uh, every every game, every transfer, I cover. I also do a EFL League One review show with 18 Dapper and Ian Bradley. Uh, we talk about all things at EFL. I also have a, another podcast, Wednesday Base, which is called Talking Wednesday, with my good friend, uh, that Box on his channel, and my other good friend, Worko, who comes on as a guest as well. And we just talk everything Wednesday, and we just want to po- show the positivity of what the EFL is, because there's still so many people up, in the chat in the Premier League or elsewhere, that doesn't really get how exciting the EFL can be. And if you actually go and look into it and look at the games, some of the games this season have been mental. Come on, our first game of the season, three-three with Plymouth, uh, Portsmouth, a mental game. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on, Jake, and we'll no uh, we'll see you towards the back end of the season. Oh, definitely. And thank you for that, Jake and Jake. But you and I have both done a podcast this week. You've done the Barnsley podcast. Uh, yep. I have done Wednesday Till I Die. So we sort of said that we would talk a little bit about our how their lot are seeing the game and then we'll talk a little bit about it. We're at 40 minutes, so we've got a little bit of time yet. Um, so I did the Wednesday Till I Die podcast last night. Um, I felt quite rude, actually, because I arranged to do it at quarter past seven and at 20 past seven, I was watching this brilliant series called The Capture on BBC and my phone went and it was like, ready when you are. Oh, yeah, shit. And I came on, I thought, I'm going to make these excuses. So I got all logged on and done up. And I keep a Lincoln shirt on the back of my chair just in case I have to do something on video links. I'll put that on. And it came up and went, I'm really sorry. I completely forgot. It's like, I'm not even going to make up an excuse. <laughs> There's a similar story to the one I did for the Barnsley. I wasn't late, but um, it's it's football training night for me. So I had my, like my rugby football club gear on. Yeah. And he, and he does it on, he releases his as a podcast and also on YouTube. And I was okay. sat there with like rugby. Well, literally, like it's this rugby FC badge in the corner. I was like, I probably ought to go and put a Lincoln top on, didn't I? He's like, Why, who's that? I was like, oh, Yeah, I'll definitely go put a Lincoln top on. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came back and it was all fine. It was quite, it's not, it was a nice chat actually with the Barnsley yeah. guy, but obviously, we'll get onto that later. Yeah, it's always good to do the other podcast. I, I, I like to do the Wednesday till I die one every, every month, every year rather, or every t- twice a year because I have a good relationship with them. They're really good guys. Uh, they are not quite as confident and and I think what I'm going to say you'll echo when we come to Barnsley is that they've seen the results against Ipswich and Derby and gone or Lincoln can play against the big clubs we've only lost four games in 17 let's not forget that you know people can be critical of of, of Mark Kennedy but from the outside looking in actually something half decent is happening here we you know we're hard to be we don't concede a lot of goals we are able to score even if it's in kind of gluts and fits and starts Um, but Wednesday fans feel that they're in a good position they're third uh, they feel that they have a stronger more savvy side than last season and um, they talked talk to me about uh Hikwi, um who obviously we know you know if we, we all, beat them we'll we know about him it'll kill him won't it um they talked about michael smith he talked about ben hennigan and he said you know in the we knew why we were signing smith and Ihikwi. Because you know, they were League One players, they're strong, they're physical, and we were bullied too much last season. Uh, and I made the point that Derby kind of looked like a team that have come up, 
who come down rather, who think they're going to brush everyone aside with their big name players and are not able to do it. Connor who Harahan has kind of got lost a little bit. And, yeah. they, and they admitted that's what we were last season. You know, we had lots of nice footballers. We had lots of players who could play really well. Um, but actually, we, we we didn't have that that kind of savvy. And, and Ben Hennigan was one they mentioned. They said he's just his big, nasty centre-half from Wimbledon. They were relegated last season. He's made such a big difference. Still a bit of a question mark over Darren Moore. Um, a couple of Wednesday friends who I've spoke to have kind of said, well, we can't wait. To, you know, we hope that he goes to West Brom. But the guy from Wednesday till I die didn't agree with that. He said he's made some odd decisions playing Marvin Johnson at right, uh, left centre-back, apparently. Um, which is interesting for a, a right winger, I think he was at one point. But he says it worked and he had a great a great, great game and they had a good song about him. Um, they score early. I think he said that they scored after six minutes the other day and they were all getting a little bit worried they weren't going to take the lead because they'd scored after like 20 seconds in one game and after a minute <laughs> and a half in another game. Uh, and I've been told that. I've been told they're going to come out of the blocks. They're going to try and blow us away in the first sort of 10, 15 minutes. But my other mate, uh, Chris, um, if you're listening, all right, Chris, my other mate called Chris, I've got loads of them uh, called Chris. Um, everyone knows a Dave and a Chris. Um, he said mate. that, you know, yeah, if, if Dave, Chris, um, if they don't score in the first 20 minutes, then believe Epps and they struggle and fail a little bit. Okay. So you know, my feeling, um, and I'll flick it over to you in a second, but my feeling is if we do what we do against it, if we did against Ipswich, keep it tight for the first 20 minutes, not panic, not try and force anything, not try and, you know, push too far forward, press them when they've got the ball, but not press them too high, then probably there's a blueprint there to, to go on and, and get something more from the game once we've frustrated them a little bit. Yeah, I fully expect us to play with a back five again. Yeah, 100%. Um, I don't think we'll do that for the whole season, but certainly in this little spell against the bigger boys, I think we will. It's working in it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I agree. If if we can keep them quiet early doors, um, that's a little bit different to Ipswich because Ipswich have even though they've scored plenty of goals and they've obviously got lots of points there up there in the league, they actually have been quite slow starters in the league. Yeah. In, um, they, they, there's been a, quite a few games that there's been nil-nil at half-time for them or they haven't scored um, or even haven't, even haven't had a shot. Because I mentioned on not the Top 20 podcast, actually, that it was half an hour against us before they had a shot. But in the previous three or four games, it was 25 minutes in, 35 minutes in, 20 minutes in without them before they've even had an attempt. So, obviously, that played into our hands against Ipswich. If Wednesday are going to put a bit of a sterner test at us early doors, that'll be a bigger test for us, you know. And then, of course, if we go a goal down, let's be brutally honest here, that system doesn't, it's not as successful for us. We have to change it then. We have to change our system if we go a goal down early doors um, and it gets to half time and we're one or two down because, you, yeah, we've got nothing to hang on to. You know, we need to, we need to get a bit more attacking. But absolutely right. If we can keep them out for that first 15, 20 minutes, It'll give us a real platform to go on and hopefully something see something similar as we did against Ipswich at the weekend. I think the, the fact we'll, we'll definitely play three at the back as well because they're four four two Lee Gregory and um, yeah, I wrote Mike that down. Smith. Their last um, four games have played four four two. Yeah, but and they've gone to nil in the last three. There you go. So it's clearly worked. But every other game before that, they played a back three in various iterations of what happens ahead of that. But they had it because it's. It's always the back, it's always the interesting part of it. Is it a back four or is it a back three? So they were back three for the whole season until the last four games. But like you say, they've won the three of the last four games. So but that was one thing their lad said as well, was that they still feel there's an element of chopping and changing a little bit, um, which is, is, is frustrating some supporters. And, you know, the fact is that's modern football. But I think they've had Barry Bannon start on the left against Cambridge in the middle with um, Will Vokes. I mean, Will Vokes is a, you know, he's a seasoned professional. Mm -hmm. Um 
probably a similar sort of player to Sam Morsey, dare we say, um, for, for Ipswich or similar sort of experience. Well, Vokes is. Sort of Vokes is, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Hard-working, um, defensive-minded player. Yeah, exactly. And and they've got like Alex Mighton, who's on loan from Forest, who's been in and out of the side. Got Josh Windass. I mean, they're, they're, let's make no mistake. Again, I think this is a better Sheffield Wednesday side than last season. I agree. And at, at the head of the season, I think you and I had a conversation. It might have been on a podcast. It might not, where I said, it's going to go one or two ways with Sheffield Wednesday because they've spent big. They've got lots of hope. Either Darren Moore will be gone by November and it'll be a shit show or it'll actually all come good and they'll look solid and they will have learned from their year and they'll be top three. You won't see them kind of seventh or eighth picking up a win here. Or do you know what I mean? They'll either be, they'll either collapse or they'll do well. Actually, they're doing really well. Um, whether they've got to what it takes to take that over the course of the whole season, I don't know. Um, but we shall see. Well, they're, they're averaging more than two points a game. Yeah. And if you do that for the whole season, you go up. Obviously, Plymouth, specifically Plymouth, are way ahead of that. They're what, 34 points in 14 games, I think. So, you know, they've won five on the bounce. Let's be honest, Plymouth are good, but you would expect them to maybe start to slow down a little bit. You know, if Sheffield Wednesday keep keep chugging away at getting two points a game for the rest of the season, they'll go up. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, I fully expect Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich to be top two this season. I've changed my mind. I think I said Ipswich and Posh. Um, but they've only been, been, been a bit of a dodgy run. I think Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday, at this stage, from kind of all the information that's out there, they're just yeah. the two strong. They're just the two strongest squads in the league. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, I, I actually buy back to Peterborough as well, and they've been. When I say they've been disappointing, they haven't. It's been delightful to see them. Oh yes, it's been it's been glorious to see them yeah, fail. It has, it <laughs> has. And, and and let's face it, when we're talking about the likes of Peterborough and Plymouth, we're talking about teams that I feel we are on a. When I say on a par with, they'll say they're bigger clubs than we are. That, but they're the sort of teams for me: Plymouth, Peterborough, Lincoln, Cambridge, Exeter. Do you know what? There's much of a muchness there, and you could claim to be similar a similar sized club. Okay, they might have had a little bit more success in recent times. Mm-hmm. Sheffield Wednesday, Barnsley, Ipswich, Charlton, Bolton, Lincoln City can't claim to be similar sized clubs to them, and that's why games like this Saturday and indeed Tuesday, you know, are massive, and we've got to enjoy them while we can. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's you know how many times in well, not in my lifetime, you know, the biggest game that we'd had before moving into League One this time was when we had Man City in the league um, yeah. for that one season. Yeah, before that, you know, there's not really been many big league matches coming to League One, and it's just flooded with these these huge clubs. We've just got to make the most of it and enjoy. You know, this is this is not normal <laughs> for a, for a club of our size to be to having these. You know, clubs of these size in our league and playing. Against, against them on a kind of level playing field. And it's it's great. But at the same time, we don't want to just go there and enjoy having them in the in the in yeah, the league and then getting, get, and, and getting batters. No, you know, we, we want to win like we yeah. did last season against Sheffield Wednesday. You know, let's if we can come out of Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday with four points, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. But I, I, I think we I think we can win. I, I, I went into Saturday thinking we couldn't win, but we could definitely get a good point and we could be really hard to beat. And we won. So that's given me confidence, thinking, you know what, we could, we can win this game. You know, we are good enough to beat these teams. We're not just here to be competitive against them. We we can beat them. And yeah, I, I absolutely believe we can. I don't know if we will, but I no. don't think we'll get battered. I, I think we'll be really hard to beat. I think we'll be disciplined. And I think we've got a right chance. I think it's funny because prior to the Charlton game, so I came away from the Fleetwood game and I felt low mm-hmm. because I thought we can't defend. 
Uh, we go into our shell and they'd seen it against Forest Green, we'd seen it against Exeter. I just thought this this team doesn't look like it has the steel. And I think since the Bristol Rovers win, which you know, we did what we needed to do going forward, but since then things have flipped around. And okay, we lost to Bolton, but do you want to we talk about performance and it's it's all about an individual result tells you nothing. So you win 6-3 at Bristol Rovers. That's told us nothing. There are bothers in the table now. They were in the relegation zone at that point. But five matches, 10 matches, 15 matches tells you something. An individual games XG tells you nothing in the grand scheme of things. It could be a one-off. It could be someone's gone off injured. It could be just one of those days. But your XG over 15, 20, 25 games does tell you something. It's why there was the stat um, D3, D4 put out where Lincoln were um, creating the fewest chances, but we were by far the most clinical in the division. But we were yeah. right down in this corner whereby eventually you stop being that clinical. And I kind of I can understand where they're coming from over a short game, a short period where people say that that doesn't matter because we are where we are in the league. That isn't sustainable over 46 games because you're not clinical. And they were quite right about that. So I'm actually really pleased now to see us restricting the opposition's XG, restricting the chances that are, that are um, being created, because for me, the first thing you're a football manager i'm not but the first thing well, in my mind is that, hardly yeah well you manage rugby and, and you write your team out on a sheet of paper and you play the press or whatever do you know what i mean you as a manager you have a plan when you go into a game what you yes. want to do with your players and we seem to have for me sorry the plan should always be first and foremost not to get beat and people can call me negative if you want but if you're if you have to go in and rebuild a team from back to front, you start at the back. Don't come in if you've got shit defence. Spend three hundred thousand pound on a striker and then go why aren't I winning games? You're not winning games because you're conceding goals. And teams, people talk about Aussie Ardiles and Kevin Keegan, managers that just threw hell to the that you know what I played like played a, a two four four or whatever and let's score more goals than the opposition. It's brilliant for about six weeks and then it it's great work. from a neutral perspective but it yeah, must be terrifying I, if you're actually a fan of that club wonderful i couldn't watch us win 6-3 at bristol City, at bristol rovers every single week in that manner because eventually we wouldn't get the rub of the green eventually yeah. they would join me so for me going into this game against sheffield wednesday coming out of the ipswich game even the charlton game which was the most boring game of football i've ever seen in my life there's real positive signs from forest green fleetwood Exit 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, our weakness was 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 conceding chances, wasn't it? It was conceding yeah. high-quality chances. And we've, you know, it, yes, it's, it's coincided with a shape change, but we have stopped conceding high-quality chances. Lo and behold, we've stopped conceding quite so many goals, and we've looked really hard to beat. So, yeah. like I said earlier, I think we've got, a, like, you want you have a plan, unless you want to have a plan. Our, our plan against the big teams that are, we know are going to want, want to attack us we know how to play against that now. I don't think we knew how to play against that last season. No, I I agree. But it is the, te- the the proof of how successful we're going to be. Whether we're going to be top of the top half or whether we're uh, top of the bottom half or whether we're going to be struggling against relegation is how we do against the smaller clubs or the clubs 100%. that we expect to be. Yeah. I, sorry, go on. I'll say that isn't who we've got coming up on Tuesday, but I was going to segue, but you have another point to make. So, no worries. Yeah, sorry. I've done that too. I've, I've such <laughs> yeah. a terrible performance for me tonight. Bring back um, Ben. Yeah, bring back Ben. Petition. Um, by the way, massive thanks to Ben for his help at the weekend as well. I want to give him a shout out for that as well. <laughs> well uh, what were you going to say? Have you just ruined the segue for no reason? If you've ruined it just to be nice to Ben, that is uh, <laughs> it's a cardinal sin. Uh, I was going to say, 
that we've got that blueprint against the bigger clean stuff. I was, I was agreeing with you, Gary. That's what I was doing. Um, um, but saying, I, I do feel we're going to try and find a way to make that 4-3-3 work that yeah, we started the season with against those smaller teams where you can obviously have an extra play midfield, dominate the ball a bit more. We're just almost like we have two just complete different, not just yeah. two different formations, but two completely different styles. And if we can flip between the two of them, you know, at will, that's the sign of a really, really good team. That's what Premier League teams do. I'm not you saying think... we've got the quality or the pitch to do that in terms of the technical ability, but again, that tactical understanding, that's a big thing that happens in the Prem. In fact, if anyone saw the um, Brentford and Brighton match last night, Tuesday night, whenever it was, um, there was an interview with both Daniel Farker, not Daniel Farker, flipping it, Thomas Frank, sorry, and uh, Graham Potter. It was Chelsea, Brentford, sorry. Um, and they were both there pre-game and had a little chat with each other, which is, you never, have, you never, you never see that. And they asked each other a question. Um, and what they kind of agreed on is that the big, big difference between the Premier League and other leagues is that teams will change system in game. And they have this real clear understanding of just go, right, we're going to do this now. And you just switch and everyone knows their jobs immediately. So if we could take an element of that and bring it into League One, we have two distinct systems and styles that we can, we know like the, like the back of our hand. That's going to be such a, such a, a positive and such a kind of a, a weapon in our arsenal really going forward so the question is whether we can whether we can do that against those uh teams well, we want to play against and win against but it's nice to know that we've got that opportunity the op- option well, sorry what i would say as well is you know the players that are likely to pick you apart now so the players that are likely to make that 4-3-3 work are jack diamond jordan garrick danny mandrew those sorts of players and they're all fit since we signed jordan garrick Jack Diamond and Danny Mandrew. Um, we played Cambridge United, who were above us in the table, who we struggled against. We've then played Derby County, who we didn't go and try and break down. We've played Bristol Rovers, that we did have to go and try and beat and scored six. Bolton, Charlton, Ipswich. Do you, we haven't had, as yet, an opportunity to try and beat the so-called, when I say weaker teams, I mean the teams that we are expected to go and have a go against rather than set up against. Yeah. And I think that's really important to note. Yeah, and it'll be, really, it'll be fascinating when we get to play, I can't remember the next the next league game is. Um, Port Vale. That's the one, Port Vale. We get, let's be honest, we expect to go and... Get something in, there. Yeah, in, input our, ourselves on that game, not, not just sit back. So that'll be fascinating. be fascinating to see how we go into that. So we're 56 minutes in. Uh, yep. And as yet, we haven't spoken at all about Barnsley. Yeah, I had the pleasure of being invited onto the Barnsley podcast. Um, spoke to spoke to him yesterday, and a lot of similar, a very similar conversation, I think, to what you had with uh, with the Sheffield Wednesday one. You know, I was expecting to speak to him um, and them to be kind of full of confidence about beating Little Old Lincoln, and yeah, there's team just starting to take a sit up and notice us a little bit is what what I kind of I'm getting from these two. Um so they've been a bit hit and miss this year. Um they've just started to turn turn the form a little bit. Um they do play with a, a back three all the time by the way. Um so again I'd expect us to stick with our, our back five against against that. Um but yeah the, the the feedback from Barnsley was very much that even though they're a newly relegated team um different to the last time they came down they do not expect to go up again immediately. Um, he said, like you know, just something top half would be a successful, a successful season for them. They've had a lot of change, new manager, uh, lots of new players, l- lost a lot of players from last season. 
Um, so they're a bit transitional at the moment. Now they've had some good results, but they've been a bit kind of inconsistent. Um, and they're worried about us, which is nice. That's <laughs> really refreshing because I was expecting to kind of have to go and almost back us up a little bit. Um, and if anything, it was more the other way around, saying, you know, like we, we had a great result against it, which we're going to be hard to beat. We'll likely keep it tight away from home. But um, yeah, I think, we, you know, I, I predicted a one all draw for that game when he asked me to put a, put a number on it. Um, so, yeah, they also, sorry, one, one, one other point which, which he touched on was when we played them in the cup. Um, I think that might have scarred them somewhat as well from what he was saying. Like, as much as I mentioned that it's likely to be two very different squads, probably especially theirs, um, but they're going to be a little bit wary of us, which is nice. It's nice to have to have go on there and against a, you know, a much bigger club and against a team that we haven't played in the league for a long time for them to actually be not just expecting to roll us over. See, it's interesting. There's, there's a couple of um, a couple of faces that people might have forgotten, but I don't forget. Uh, Bradley Collins is in goal for them. Oh, who... he spat at whoever it was in, when he was in goal for a screen <laughs> on that pissing down Tuesday John, night. He was allegedly spat at Sean Raggett, didn't he? And he was cleared of any wrongdoing. Allegedly, um, but he definitely did. Allegedly, yeah, he definitely did. Um, and they've got obviously James Norwood up top. Who? Oh, him. We know his favourite well. striker. Um, but looking actually down through their league performances, and I think of all the games of the the five former Premier League teams, I think this is the one actually that is the most winnable. Um, yeah. Out of Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday, Charlton, Bolton. You know their xG was poor against Bolton, zero point eight two. Poor really against Exeter, zero point nine three. They were beaten two 0 Poor against Fleetwood, 0 0.45. Um, Charlton, they won 3-1. Their XG was only 1.39. Uh, they're, they're not really creating huge amounts of chances. They drew 2-2 with Ipswich, but their XG was only 1.09. So that could be a sign that they are doing what we do in that they're keeping it tight and they're going away and uh, yada, yada, yada. But actually, um, yeah, I, I, when I say I think they're there for the taking, I think that it's a game that, um, of all of them, one that we could win. I, I would be tempted to say one all with you. It's actually very rare that we draw one all away. Um, I only know that because I search for links and we, we don't draw an awful lot of games one all away from home. Um, but I predicted a nil-nil draw for Chef Wednesday. I think if we came out of these two games with two points, you know, that we will almost certainly have had the toughest start to the season because I think when you look at teams that we've we've played, Ipswich above us, Charlton, I don't I think they were above us when we played them, Bolton were above us, Bristol Rovers weren't but are now, Derby were above us, Cambridge weren't or were but are now, um, Peterborough were, Oxford you would expect to be, Portsmouth were. I mean we've we've had such a hard start. Yeah. And this can't this is almost Barnsley is almost like the the hard stop on that, isn't it? Because yes. after Barnes, we're talking Port Vale. Okay, then we've got Tabletop as Plymouth. <laughs> so it tells you everything. Roll on well, December. Got and... We've got Accrington before that, haven't we? Oh, Accrington's been rearranged, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So we've so... got Port Vale, Accrington, Morecambe, and Plymouth in as a four-game spell. And you would say, well, look, we'll take seven points from those four games, please. Um, and then the next and four the is game. Shrewsbury, Wickham, Cheltenham, and Burton. Again, out of those four, there's three winnable games. Yeah, I, I, on the way things are going, if we are actually competitive and, and hard to beat, it's three winnable games and a nil-nil draw with Wickham with where both teams XG is 0 0.10 or something. <laughs> yeah, and like we'd that. happily take that in that little yeah, uh, little flurry of games, wouldn't we? 
right so we're running over time anyway we're at an hour already you've got a couple of just things to plug quickly um so first of all i want to plug the roger holmes podcast so for anybody who don't doesn't know roger holmes um recorded one of our player specials with us last week last thursday so it's been out for a week now got quite a lot of good feedback uh, i even had somebody message me and i can't remember who it was said i think it was andy person actually on twitter said i didn't think i was going to be interested in this but it was really good um and you know Andy's a, another miserable so-and-so at times. Um, so to get some praise from him on Twitter as well, because actually in person, he's completely different. He's, Andy is a lovely guy. Sit and talk to him all day long. And on Twitter, he's, he turns into Waldorf and Statler. I think him and Pete Summers should have a little balcony and just moan about things together. Um, but he's a great podcast. Roger was absolutely brilliant. Um, really, really down to earth. Um, talking through his career, uh, Lincoln in the 60s uh, and all that sort of thing. You know, it, it was a, a nice little um trip down memory lane certainly for me and for anyone that doesn't know about that period essential listening so have you listened to it chris i'm gonna say yes but i'll be alive <laughs> i knew by your I, face i, I, I genuinely will and I, you know what like I, I've, I've listened to this podcast for, for years before it was even a, a pipe dream to to be invited on I've, I've listened to this podcast for years but i genuinely i just haven't i haven't listened I know. to that <laughs> I was a loyal listener. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, these player specials are meant to go in and they're meant, you know, they're meant to be picked up when you can. We've got the Mark Hone and the Gavin Gordon one. If you haven't listened to those, they're really good. You could even go further back and listen to the Moses Swaybu one that we did during lockdown. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a really good fun. Uh, and last of all, I'd just like to push uh, the my 10K run. So I'm doing Lincoln 10K. Uh, I know for normal runners, that isn't a massive thing. But, you know, kind of 10 months ago, I... I, I could run a bath really well um but i hadn't really done any running at all of any description i've got to a point where i want to run the lincoln 10k but i'm doing it in the uh, in aid of the lincoln city foundation and uh, by the way the lincoln city foundation have just been nominated for a national award for their um i think that, that, can't remember what they call it now is it fighting fit or something like that but it's their kind of well. post post cancer um fitness classes that they run and, and you people have referred to the bear in mind link city foundation are a charity it's not like it's part of the football club per se it's a registered charity and um, do loads of great work i run specifically from the angle of um, helping their mental health services uh, so they do um uh, an andy's club and uh, i think they call it team talk I've, i'm really poor I've got, I've got their booklet here and i did no research for this at all i should know but they use football um terminology quite a lot and there's that much football terminology going around in my head that i uh, that i forget it all but i do know there's andy's club and i do know that they do the extra time club for people um semi-retired and retired as well they do so much good stuff and um, so i'm running that last chance to sponsor uh, there's a pin post on the website there's a pin post on uh, twitter last time i checked we we're up to 940 pounds i set a goal of a thousand pounds with absolutely no um sort of belief that I, that we could get there because times are really really hard you know people don't have a lot of spare money in their pocket i absolutely understand that and um, so it's a phenomenal phenomenal uh, achievement not from me at all because all i'm doing is saying put money in it's from everybody who sponsored me i really really appreciate it um if we can get another 60 quid we can get to a thousand pounds and i know that you know that thousand pounds could change somebody's life and, and given the um given what the foundation do it could save somebody's life um so please 
do support that. So thank you very much. I know Chris has sponsored me, so I appreciate that, my friend. Thank you very much. Yeah, he doesn't You're listen to the welcome. podcast. But, um, so. <laughs> but I pay my debts. I still pay for Patreon as well. Thank you very much. Yes, you do. Yeah, yeah. so you <laughs> technically you're almost paying to be on the podcast. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the only reason I'm on. I pay for the right. <laughs> um, so look, it's been brilliant to have you on, mate. Obviously, um, thank you very much for your time. Um, next week it is expected to be Ben and Jake. So that if anybody is um, if anybody's looking forward to that, I'm sure they are. Um, it will be Ben and Jake, and then me and Ben the week afterwards. There will be another player special coming up soon. We've just got to try and get that dialed in as well. Um, so wonderful. All that it remains to say is thank you very much for listening, and up the imps. Up the imps. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.